0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, joined by my phenomenal co host, Mr. Matt Bear. Matt, is this the first Matt cast of the season?
1: Uh, in season, yeah. I think we did hit a couple previews back in August, but uh, yeah, fatherhood and work and everything else. I, I have not been a regular uh, as nearly as much as you have been on, on the in season. Chatter.
0: Well, as somebody who does not have a kid and a lot of free time, uh, it's been phenomenal to, uh, to take over host Reigns. And I'm excited that you're back here. And we are here, of course, to talk the Penn State Maryland game this weekend. It's game number nine for Penn State on the season, if you can believe it. Seven and one on the year so far. Before we start our discussion into that game, if you're new here, be sure to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, jump in the comments. If you you like what you're hearing on your podcast platform of choice, leave us a five-star review. Uh, And if you have a question, be sure to leave it in one of the comment features across all of those platforms. We love to go out there and interact with the folks in the audience. And Matt, Penn State, Maryland. It is a game that has not exactly been even. Over the past couple years, Maryland did get Penn State in the fake bogus 2020 COVID season. But I don't think that this game has really been competitive normally in quite a long time.
1: No, I I was thinking before we started that I was actually at the game in College Park back in 21 that I don't remember what the final score was. I remember it kind of Maryland kind of hanging around and, and obviously Did John, like, break- Brown making, making the big Dotson had the big game. Yeah. yeah. I think broke he broke a records. program records mm-hmm. and then Tig Brown gets the pick six late that kind of sealed it, but it never really felt. And maybe this is you know hindsight being 2020 thing, but it never really felt like they were in danger that game. And obviously that was not a great Penn state team. Um, Clifford was dealing with whatever that injury was from the Iowa game and just, you know, it It was not a great year, but um you know even even Penn state's worst teams um have have really handled Maryland pretty well, and they've played to a large degree they've played pretty well in college park as well um yeah, and I think that's you know not to to i'm gonna i'm gonna take advantage of the segue here to our next topic the struggle's on the road, and I think that's one thing that they can lean into here a little bit. this is a place where they've had success. Um, obviously, they've got all the Maryland connections on the roster. Um, the coaching staff, especially Franklin and Loxley, their history together at Maryland way back when. And Gaddis.
0: I think that familiarity. Familiarity on that staff.
1: I keep forgetting that Gaddis is there. Um, he's bounced around so much recently, it's hard to keep track. Um, but it, it's a place where the coaching staff has had success. A lot of guys on this roster have had success a lot of guys are from that area and want to you know either pick Penn State over Maryland or you know in a very specific case with Chop Robinson a guy that picked Maryland over Penn State and very quickly realized that that was a massive mistake and ended up in in Happy Valley after just the one season um but I think that's that's the first thing that they can really lean into here um the other thing that I think is really potentially beneficial is They've, you know, they kind of had the, the letdown game, uh, the the hangover game against Indiana. They kind of slept walk through it, um, really on both sides of the ball for much of that game. And I think this is an easier game to get up for than that game. You've got, you know, you put the Ohio State game behind you. You're building towards the Michigan game here in a couple weeks. And this is an opportunity um, against a team that I think they can have some success against on both sides of the ball, as we'll talk about here in a little mm-hmm. bit.
0: So Penn State opened at like an 11 and a half point favorite. It's been bet down to the Nittany Lions as just an eight and a half point favorite. And I'm glad you called out that Penn State has done really well on the road against Maryland. I think this is matchup number 10 for these two teams since Maryland joined the Big Ten. Penn State, of course, lost that initial matchup in 2014 with the famous no handshake game and then lost, of course, in 2020. But since going to College Park, and, and also the weird one-point win they had at – what's the name? Is it M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore? They had that one-point win. Wherever
1: the Ravens play, that's just what we go yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And then It feels like that changes names every couple weeks. Yeah,
0: but they've had a lot of success down there in, in the state of Maryland. So, Matt, Penn State obviously on the road. It's looked gross a lot of the time. The Illinois game – also crazy that this is the final true road game of the season already with Michigan State moving – to Ford Field. This is the last time they're going to have to go into a truly hostile environment in their trips on the road. They haven't been great. They got it done against Illinois. They got it done against Northwestern. They didn't look great against Ohio state. So Matt with the hangover effect likely behind them from that Ohio state loss, what does Penn state have to do to kind of shake this slow starting cycle that we're seeing for this team on the road?
1: I think it's it's the same stuff we've been talking about all all year really. Um defensively, I don't think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second in a little more detail. Um you know, up until last week the defense has just been, you know, downright dominant and that might Lights even out. be an understatement. Yeah. Um and I think you lean you lean into your strengths, which is clearly cool. the defense. Um you know, and I and going back to what I was saying earlier, you've had success against this Maryland program a lot of these same guys uh Tagovail I'm never going to get his name right Tua. um you the know good, obviously the good news is last, last year, year they,
0: they so you don't have to worry about it after this are
1: you sure they keeps they keep finding new ways for him to come back i thought for sure last year was it but but regardless it's it's you know defensively that's a uh, a quarterback they've had a lot of success against mm-hmm. the last couple of years they've picked they've turned him over um numerous times um they really feasted on that defensive line last year in state college so I think you're going to play to your strengths like that. And I think, you know, kind of building off, you know, as much as you can in the, the last series offensively, the last real series offensively against Indiana, um, where they kind of just said, F it, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, they they got the ball. They ran Catron a time or two, or they got Catron the ball on the, the quick pass. Um, and then yeah, I think it was just two plays after that, that they hit uh, Lambert Smith for the, the winning score. Yeah. I think to, uh, two trying DMVs to
0: uh, on the note of playing back near Maryland with Kendra Lambert Smith. And I think Catron both being from the Norfolk area.
1: I believe so. Yeah. It's you're putting it on the spot there. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I am i am i am i do not have they're room for those. Virginia kind of guys. I know, that, I know they're
0: both Virginia guys.
1: Um, but regardless, I think it's, you, you try and focus on that last little flurry against Indiana. Um, what, what what worked, mm-hmm. you know, and what's worked by and large for this offense all year has been taking what's there. Um, I know we, we've talked ad nauseum and everyone talks ad nauseum about hitting the big plays and pushing the ball down the field, but especially early on playing to what should be your strengths. You know, Aller has shown for the most part, he's effective, you know, with the short passing game your running game really should be your strength. I think Katron Allen has kind of emerged at this point in the season as kind of the number one guy, Singleton. Not that he hasn't had success, but I think Katron has been just more reliable, uh, more consistent. And so I think you you play to that. You know, we offensively you know, rely on the running game. Um, I'm sure you're going to have a super aggressive Maryland defense. You know, do what you can to take advantage of that. But do what you do well, Um, at least early on. And then hopefully that allows you to open up the playbook offensively to stretch the field more, hit the middle of the field, um, you know, once you kind of settle in. I think that going back to the Ohio State game, I think that was one of the issues early on was they were asking Allard to do too much, um, especially in in an environment that was super hostile um, against a really good defense. That's not going to be the the situation in College Park. It's going to be a lot of Penn State fans there, certainly not the defense that they faced in Columbus probably not the defense they faced in Illinois, to be perfectly honest, Um, going back to the the first true road game. Um, And so I think you, you keep it simple early on to settle into the game, you know, almost like you did for the first half of the year. And then you allow the playbook to expand from there. Um, Hopefully we see, you know, the, the signs of Aller in the offense, taking that next step, as far as using more of the field, pushing the ball down the field, opening things up for that running game more and ultimately building to that, that more explosive offense. But um, as much fun as it is, I don't think you want to see them come out and just throw the ball over, you know, 20 yards, 30 yards down the field because mm-hmm. they, they haven't done that. And I think that sets you up for um, you know, that slow start that's really plagued them on, in every road game this year.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you called that out because for me to get past these road struggles, I need to see them have a long sustained drive to start the game. I think this is going to be a very engaged Maryland crowd, despite the fact that they're 5-3. and three, This is this is the biggest game of the year for Maryland. It, it, let's be honest. Maryland fans view Penn State as a pretty natural rival with the Franklin connection, with the location, with that both teams never really felt like they were truly – they truly had a place to go for a rivalry in the Big Ten. It feels pretty natural. So, Catron Allen, Nick Singleton, Drew Aller, the tight ends – They need to go out there and orchestrate a long drive, take the crowd out of it, keep the offense, or the Maryland offense, excuse me, on the sideline. And if you can get a scoring drive, I think in the first two drives, you're going to be able to unlock the rest of your playbook because your defense is not going to play as bad as it did against Indiana two weeks in a row. That unit is way too good for that to happen again. So if they can get an early lead with a long sustained drive, I feel really good in Penn State's chances to go out there and to control the flow of the game. And that's going to be the most important thing. But Matt, before we go back to talking about the Penn State offense, let's focus in here on the Penn State defense against the Maryland offense. Maryland is, I believe, the number three scoring offense in the Big Ten at time of recording behind only Michigan and Penn State. Maryland, of course, has played Only one of the big three so far, which I found pretty surprising. They have Michigan coming up in a little bit. And rushing attack isn't great for the Terps, but their passing game, led by Talia Tungavailoa and a slew of receivers that Penn State would love to have on their roster, if we're being frank, is one of the better ones in the Big Ten. They're currently second in the Big Ten, averaging just over 280 yards per game. Matt, you highlighted how dominant Penn State's defensive line was last year in this game, in what ended up being a 30 to nothing Penn State win in November in Happy Valley. I have never seen an experienced quarterback see ghosts as badly as we saw Talia Tungavailoa did in that game last year. What does Penn State have to do, the Penn State defense have to do, to recreate that? I'm not expecting a shutout. I highly doubt you are too. But what are the key matchups you're hoping to see Penn State go out there and execute well in?
1: Well, th- it all starts up front, mm-hmm. and that's really where they dominated last year. Um it, does your, you know, does this change. We don't know on, chop. Yeah, does
0: this change based on chop or no chop? Your opinion on this?
1: No, I I don't really don't think it does. I think you know, we saw Deny Dennis Sutton really have his, you know, first true breakout game as a Nittany lion last mm-hmm. week against Indiana. I think he had six tackles, he had the, the strip sack at the end of the game to seal it. Something um, about Indiana was just super active
0: in that game. He had the pick last year in the Indiana game, and now he had the sack fumble uh, this past year.
1: Yeah, and it's so I think, um, you know, another DMV area kid, um, for the record. Um, But I think regardless of what Chop Robinson's status is, and obviously you want to have him, I think this is a game that, um, whether he admits it or not, you know, he has circled given, um, you know, how quickly things went sour for him uh, with the Terps. Um, But even if he's not able to go, you've got Danai Dennis Sutton, you've got Adisa Isaac. Um, I mean, and over, I don't believe, played last week, but was – he was listed as questionable where Robinson was out. So you figure he's close. Um, even Zariah Fisher, um, who took advantage of the extended time um, and, and the couple of guys out in front of him, um, I thought was really good last week. It all starts with the ends for Penn State. You know, it doesn't matter um, if they're short chop or not. Um, that's really um, has become the engine, I think, that makes this defense go and it allows them to do all the things that they do from a, a coverage perspective, from a blitzing perspective, that sort of thing. Um, I think, you know, this Maryland offense goes how uh, Talia goes. Mm -hmm. It's, that's just, you know, he's the straw that stirs the drink. And when they got off to that fast start in Columbus um, and and had the lead early um, against the Buckeyes, he was really good. That game changed when they, when Ohio state kind of figured things out. And that's by far the best defense they've faced this year. It's not even remotely close. Um, He threw two picks. He was ended up ended that game 21 of 41 um his quarterback i'm looking at right now his quarterback rating was 89.7 um, by far his lowest mark of the year um he carried the ball 11 times that's you know they don't want him doing that um obviously there's sacks included in that um the other thing that really jumps out to me as i look at this is maryland's given up he's been sacked 14 times i don't know if they've given up 14 total or not but um northwestern got to him six times in their for, in uh, their last game so clearly this is an offensive line um that has struggled to protect their quarterback, especially in their last three games, the three losses, two sacks against Ohio State, three sacks against Illinois and the six last week in Evanston. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's where it starts and ends, is you go back to what worked last year. And I don't care how good a quarterback you are. If you don't have time, if you're getting hit, if you're forced to rush things, your fundamentals break down. Um, you rush things. You, you for- start forcing plays downfield. And that's really where Penn State's defense feast is forcing quarterbacks to make mistakes. You saw it probably Illinois is probably the best example. Exactly of that. where I was going to go. Um, yep. Where they, yeah, you know, there were some poor throws, but credit Penn state's defense are creating a lot of those, even if they wasn't in situations where they were directly pressuring them that led to the pick, you get in a quarterback's face. Like I said, that internal clock speeds up for any quarterback in on any level and, and of any talent level. Um, and so whether it's, it's the ends, whether it's bringing blitzes, um, You mentioned it earlier. This defense—I don't even want to say struggled last week, but they gave up big plays. And this is a Maryland team that can hit those big plays. And you know that um, you could see it on Manny Diaz's face last week when the 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 camera cut to him. He he, didn't—not that he's a a, a overly uh, emotional guy on the sidelines, but you could just see him seething. Yeah, you know, just the kind of the calm look in his eyes—not not yelling, not screaming. It's it's like when the parent gets mad. You know, and it doesn't really say anything, but you know that you did something (laughs) wrong. That was kind of the look you were getting from Manny Diaz. Um, And it's, you know, it'd be absolutely shocking to see that two weeks in a row. Um, In a game that I think, not that you're getting up to it for the level of like an Ohio State or a Michigan, but this is a big game. I think it's, you know, Penn State's done a, generally in James Franklin's tenure here, has done a pretty good job at not looking ahead. to, you know, in this case, the Michigan game the following week. Um, and there, there's so much direct connection here, like I was saying earlier. There's so much, I think, not animosity among the players. Um, you know, the, the handshake thing is so far in the past, no one you know, other than James Franklin basically is, you know, involved in this game anymore that was involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, these so many of these guys know each other. They grew up playing high school ball together yep. um, or against each other. Um, those are the games that, you probably don't need as much motivation because you're playing your buddy. Yep. Um, or maybe you're playing the guy that you hated playing in high school and you get another shot at yeah. him. Um, and that goes both ways, but I think that really benefits Penn state um, in a game where you've got, you know, top three or whatever Michigan will end up being when they come to Beaver stadium in the, uh, the following weekend, that's going to help you focus on this game, especially.
0: Yeah. And from my perspective, I'm glad that you highlighted the defensive backs because Matt, who gave up all of the big plays for the Penn State defense last week? It was the defensive backs. It was both the safeties and the corners not playing their best football, with the exception of Jalen Reed, who I thought played a phenomenal football game last week against Indiana. But this feels like a really great bounce-back opportunity for a Penn State secondary that has feasted against quarterbacks that can get happy feet. I think the Illinois game is the perfect example of that. Penn State, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, Cam Miller. That's as good of a foursome at corner as I think Maryland is going to see all season. So what they have to do, they have to understand their assignment, not get beat deep. And when the opportunity comes to get their hands on the football, they have to make those plays. And I think Penn State's been really good at when turnover opportunities arrive, they've done a pretty good job at capitalizing. So the corners especially, I'm excited to watch. But KJ Winston in that safety role is someone I'm fascinated to see, because I think Penn State is going to be able to get after the quarterback and force Maryland to get behind the sticks more often than not. And that's going to open up the opportunity to make some plays on the football over the middle of the field. I think Tungvalu is going to have to learn very quickly that Johnny Dixon, Kalen King and Daquan Hardy, it's not smart to challenge them time after time. And they're going to have to find a way to push the ball down the field. That's where I think KJ Winston is going to be in line for maybe one of his more productive games in happy Valley and Matt.
1: I would add Zaki Wheatley to that too. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that that struggled a little bit. He um, got one snap, in, in the,
0: which is crazy. He got burned on that like um, one snap and he didn't come back in.
1: Um, and he's a guy that I think has really feasted on, on turnover opportunities. That was kind of his MO going back to, to training camp last okay. year. Um, so I think, and again, another Maryland yep. guy um, that figures to, after a bad performance going back home, um, I I think any of those safeties um, just based on how Penn state plays defensively and how they want their safeties to play and being, being really um, attack, attacking the ball and, and, trying to make plays. I think this is a perfect setup for them.
0: Anything on the linebackers you're intrigued with? I think Penn state's going to be able to control the running game pretty comfortably here, but I will say you made the comment that this is the Indiana an Ohio state portion is now in the rearview mirror and this Maryland, Michigan chunk is now kind of a thing. Do you think we can learn anything from this game, whether that be on the interior defensive line for Penn state or the linebackers that's going to make you feel better about slowing down Michigan, not to overlook anything, but I think we're thinking of things that happened against Indiana or hangovers from Ohio state. Could there be anything against Maryland that we can carry over into Michigan?
1: I don't think so. I think, you know, we, we saw Penn State held, held up pretty well against the run most of the day against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more than anything, the, the, the offensive differences between what Michigan wants to do and what Maryland wants to do um, are just so different where it's, you know, the, the way Maryland wants to run the ball is totally different than, than the way Michigan wants to run the ball. Um, you know The way uh, Maryland plays their quarterback is totally different than, than what Michigan asks J.J. McCarthy to yep. do um i'm just looking right now you know I'm taking uh talia's uh rushes out of the picture um they've only had their running backs carry the ball um probably about 200 times less than 200 times through eight games um whereas they've thrown the ball over 300 times yeah. so that and that's what maryland wants to do maryland wants to throw the ball that's where their best Offensive players, not to, to discount Roman Hemby mm-hmm. or Colby McDonald, their two primary backs, um, Littleton as well. I mean, those, those three have all kind of had equal numbers of carries, um, similar amounts of success. But Michigan, but the Maryland offense goes, as the quarterback goes, goes as Deshaun Jones, Caden Prather, Ty Felton, those three guys. Um, that's where they want to hit their big plays. That's who they want to get the ball to. Um, and that's what you have to disrupt defensively.
0: Matt, did it snow by you this past week?
1: It snowed a little bit during trick-or-treat on, on Halloween night, and we woke up to a little bit of a dusting. I was, the next day, I was over on the, the, the west side of Michigan, over on the Lake Michigan shore, and there had to be eight or nine inches of snow on the ground where I was.
0: I, I was very sad to see snow falling on Halloween. That's the nature of living in the Midwest. Um, and, but I was one, there was one thing, Matt, that gave me comfort. It's that it was time for me to put away my T-shirts and break out my crew necks from our friends at homefieldapparel.com. If you don't know about Homefield, what are you doing? They are the podcast sponsor and they've been so for almost a year and a half by now. They make some of the coolest t-shirts, sweatshirts, crew necks, hoodies, hats, joggers. You name it, they have it and they have an awesome Penn State collection on their website homefieldapparel.com. And our listeners can get 15% off their first order with promo code RLR23. All one word, that's RLR23. They don't just have Penn State. The holidays are coming up. If you have a Michigan, a Michigan State fan, a Slippery Rock alum, they have all these kind of schools in their repertoire, and they are always adding more. And again, our listeners can get 15% off their first order with promo code RLR23. Thank you to HomeField for sponsoring us and Matt. Penn State's offense, this is maybe the first time I've jumped on this, this lovely microphone and I have no idea the way the game is going to play out for Penn State offensively. I have two routes I think it can go. Let's take the Maryland defense out of the equation for a little bit just to kick things off. What do you have to see from this Penn State offense this week to start to feel better about the way this season is heading?
1: I think just a little bit more consistency um, you know, taking the Ohio state came out of it for a minute, just because I think that's, um, you know, one, it's the best defense they've, they've faced by far and two, so much went wrong. Um, I haven't had a chance to, to um, come on the podcast since that game. Um, but you know, they couldn't block, they couldn't get open. When they could get open, the quarterback couldn't get them the ball. They were dropping it. Um, you know, the running backs, you know, weren't hitting the hole consistently was just one of those games where where everything that could go wrong did go wrong and it kind of to some degree is hard to take a lot from it in that's in that scenario um but i think what's that i kind of alluded to it earlier what's really plagued them in these road games offensively is just inconsistency um i go back to the illinois game and you know they had they were moving the ball on a couple of occasions but then they'd have a bad a bad penalty mm-hmm. or they'd have a bad an inopportune drop um and it kind of you know um ground those drives to a halt saw the same thing against um against northwestern um they just are out out of sorts and and have been out of sorts and i think that's that has been really kind of in the offensive story for the for eight games now um and not to again not to bang the um bang the drum to death and and break it here but you know the, the 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 big play thing is such an an overarching theme now of, of the season to this point in the last month of the year here now. Um, but like I was saying earlier, they, they, they do certain things really well. Okay. And I think in a lot of these games, they've gotten away from those trying to become more. And especially early, like I was saying earlier, saying earlier on in the podcast, go to your bread and butter, okay. go to the things that, you know, dreller can do, give them the easy throw, I know we were harping on that in the slack during the Ohio state game is they were, they put too much on his shoulder. They were asking him to make too many plays um, early on. And I think that kind of led to a little bit of the unraveling and the game speeding up and, you know, things went from worse to, to awful uh, very quickly. Um, I just think this offense is lacking in an identity. It's, you know, they want to be explosive, but do they have the personnel to be consistently explosive you know, they've shown they can be pretty a pretty effective offense by being, you know, this methodical take what's there, check down, um, run after the catch, that sort of thing. Um, you know, they're, they're, not a, they're not a great screen offense, but we keep seeing them try to run it. Um, yeah. Try to f- find, you know, at, at nine or eight weeks, eight games into the ninth game here, into the season, you should have a pretty good feel for what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, what you do well, what you don't do well, hammer those things that you do do well. Um, and you're, you're facing a Maryland defense. That's okay. It's not great. It's, not it's, terrible. It's bad against
0: the pass. It is, it is not, it's 12th in the big 10 against the pass.
1: Um, And so, and I think with what Penn state showed flashes of against Illinois or against Indiana, what we've seen flashes of all year is the ability to exploit that. But I think, don't ask, don't ask Drew Aller, don't ask your receivers, don't ask your offense as a whole to do things that they haven't been successful with, you know, figure out what you do well and tailor that to how you can exploit Maryland's pass defense, for example. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see this because I, I think, you know, Maryland's rush defenses I'm looking at here, it seems like it's pretty effective, you know, just over 109 yards, just over 109 yards per game um, on average. Um, and Maryland's not you know Maryland's they're going do what everyone,
0: team either, so it's not like those are bumped down a little bit by this elite pass rush
1: um so i I think you know do enough to 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 open up the running game um, but go, go back to what your passing game does well. go back to what your receivers have shown they can do. They're not getting open consistently downfield but don't ask them to you know the, the slant routes, the crossing routes, get the ball and, and Keandre Lamberts in his hands he's shown he can you know make some plays with the ball in his hand after the catch. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just want to see them feel like they have some sort of plan where it really hasn't felt like that for long stretches this year by just kind of throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall to see what will work.
0: So for me, what, what I need to see is, I think James Franklin said in some press conference, something this week, where you get about eight shot plays per game. Those are the realistic ones where you can just say, dial it up and let's take it. If there's eight of them, I need Penn State to have at least a 15-yard gain on three of them for me to say we are taking steps. Part of me, I I don't know. I was talking about this with a friend a couple days ago. We point to one moment in 2016 as the moment where the entire season, offense, course of the program turned around. Matt, do you remember what it was?
1: I don't. Irvin, I feel like I Irvin should Charles. know.
0: Urban Ir- yeah. Charles's touchdown against Minnesota. We can point to I think one moment where the lights came on. I don't know if you can repeat that seven years later with an entirely new cast of characters, but I'm dying to see if that deep shot to Keandre Lambert Smith and one-on-one coverage where he let his guy make a play. He made the proper read. He saw one-on-one, he threw it up there, his best playmaker made the best play possible. I'm dying to see if that is a moment that we're going to point back to as, yep, that's where the switch flipped. That's where the kid figured it out. In game eight of his first season, he solved this riddle that was for some reason impossible to crack for two months. Um, So I say that to say, if Penn State can go out there and have that strong, methodical opening drive, and then parlay that into the ability to take those deep shots and connect on those deep shots, I think we're all going to feel a lot better about this Penn State offense moving forward. Do I want to see the running backs rip a big gain? Yes, but I still believe that's in there. They're finding new ways to get Katron Allen involved. Nick Singleton's not the best pass catcher still. It still looks pretty awkward, but he's making more plays there than he's missing, which I don't think was the case in 2022. So I think they're going to figure out these running backs sooner or later. But I need to see it at least three times from this passing game to make me say, OK, now we're cooking with gas a little bit. And now I think we can finally see the most complete version of this offense that we've maybe ever seen. So Matt, like we mentioned, the, Penns- the Maryland defense, excuse me, not great at defending the pass, which is great because Penn State desperately needs a new guy to step up at wide receiver. I have a suspicion this is the Dante Cephas breakout game. I think he was he was made available to the media after practice. It's eight games in now to his power five career. He's had struggles, I think, grasping the playbook. There's the one play against Ohio State that really stands out to me where I think it's a reverse pass where Lambert Smith gets the ball, flips it back to Aller. Sebas was clearly supposed to cut the route off at 12 yards. He's going deep with Theo Johnson. They're both in the same area. That, and then I don't think we really saw him, really do much of anything the rest of the game. I think at this point, Sebas has to have a grasp on this playbook and now go out there and be the playmaker we all hoped he can be. Do you see a Sebas game coming, Matt? Or who do you think is, you can't say Keandro Lambert Smith, you can say a tight end, but who is the pass catcher that you're looking for to take, to, to really just step up in Trey Wallace's likely absence.
1: Uh, anyone, any, <laughs> I will settle for anyone <laughs> as, as that, that spot. Um, no, I, I think, and I, I read it somewhere earlier in the week. I think it might've been Nate Bauer, Sean Fitz at, at BWI made the comment that they desperately want Cephas to, to be that guy. Um, you know, he's the, the one for lack of a better term constant in that battle for the third spot behind Lambert Smith and, and Trey Wallace. Um, you alluded to the, str- we all know about the struggles. We don't need to, to break them all down. Um, but they, they clearly want him to be that guy. He's what's reading between the lines of how you know, Franklin's been asked about this, the wide receiver play every way imaginable. And and I think there's, there's some information you can take from how he's responded that it's it's not just what we see on saturdays it's not you know it's not even what we see in isolated moments on saturdays it might be things on saturdays that we don't that we don't catch you know like you mentioned a guy runs the wrong route you're not going to pick that up on tv a guy misses a block you may not see that on tv Mm -hmm. but then he's mentioned it a bunch of times too it's you see what they do in practice Mm -hmm. you know are they making those same mistakes in practice are they you know off the field it's a, a whole picture thing here and i think you know you've got, you know, guys that do two of those three things, but the third one is a major issue. Um, you have guys that do all three, but they don't do all three all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Cephas is, you know, was brought in to be that guy. Um, you know, we've talked about it since, since the spring that, um, you know, and, and this wasn't a guy that they, you know, they reached on. It was a guy that a bunch of programs yeah, every, had made everybody interest wanted
0: Dante Cephas. In.
1: Um, and for just, you know, a variety of reasons, it hasn't quite clicked yet. Um, I think if, if you had to, if you put me on the spot and told me I had to pick someone, he would be the guy. Yep. Um, I keep waiting for kind of the, the light for Caden Saunders to go on a little bit. I um, he, he made obviously the the play late against Ohio State to score um, back in his hometown. Um, you know, that's, the, he's the guy that gets talked about a lot, I think, because of the recruiting pedigree and, and the the expectations that he had coming in. Um, it's also easy to forget too, that he's, you know, just in his second year in the program, his first year really playing any significant time. Um, and sometimes that, that learning curve is just longer for guys. He's working with a new wide receiver coach this year, not the guy that recruited him. Um, you know, we saw a bunch of Liam Clifford earlier in the year. He made the big catch down the sideline against Illinois that kind of provided a little bit of a spark. Mm -hmm. He's kind of disappeared and he was kind of the guy that was never going to you know, blow you away with the speed or the athleticism, but was going to get open and catch the ball. Um, but you've seen him kind of fade to the background mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, Omari Evans was a guy a year ago that we saw do that, and he's basically been MIA all season. We've barely seen him other than, than mop up time. Um, Malik McLean had the great start to the year and then the, the couple costly drops against Illinois, and he's kind of um, fallen out of the rotation until recently. Um, you know, due to the injuries, he's getting back in there a little bit. Um, I, I think, though, that I keep going back to Theo Johnson, and I think we kind of saw flashes of it last week against. Um, Indiana, getting him down the seam um, w- for the that touchdown on pass. Was Aller awesome. looking-
0: that was such a fun play that you saw it coming a mile away, seeing him in one-on-one against a guy like 40 pounds lighter. You're giving the ball to Theo every time. Yep.
1: Well, and I think too, Aller recognizing it and, and, and no, he didn't have, you know, he wasn't wide open, but he put it up in like we did on the Lambert Smith play. Mm-hmm. Let your guy go get the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Maryland's struggles in pass defense, the way they're going to focus on the run, use Theo Johnson to do what he does best. He's not—he's not a blocking tight end. He's—he's more Mike sicky than Pat Fryermuth, to—to to make a really lazy analogy. Um, so you know, play to those strengths, get him downfield, get him one-on-one against linebackers. He's—he's he's taller, faster, and stronger than. I—I mm-hmm. um, I, I really think there's an opportunity for that because you're going to see a Maryland defense. I feel like everyone's done to Penn State this year for the most part be super aggressive against the run, you know, commit guys to to the run, take away what what everyone knows Penn State wants to do with those two great backs. That's going to create it's going to create one-on-one opportunities for everyone, but I think the best spot to take advantage of that is is with Penn State's athletic advantage at tight end.
0: Tyler Warren first overall pick, I think is not being talked about nearly enough here.
1: I wanted to leave you the opening to to Sing your guys' praises. Well,
0: well, my pick for the guy who's going to step up is going to be Dante Cephas. Uh, I really – I actually didn't really think about this until you just rattled off all those names of guys who didn't play. Caden Saunders I think can be a security blanket. I think Liam Clifford was a security blanket. I do wonder if part of the staff's decision to go pretty much entirely Keandre Lambert-Smith, Dante Cephas, and Malik McLean – was kind of forcing Drew Allard to get out of his comfort zone and actually look to make those big plays. And I do wonder if we see a bit of a shift now in the other direction this week where Liam Clifford comes back in to move the chains. You know, you leave Cephas on to take those shots when they come. Malik McLean, I think, can be a big play guy when he catches the football. I do wonder how that's going to shake out. But Tyler Warren has been, I think, the biggest constant for the Penn State offense all season long. He's the first overall pick people forget. And he has just done such a phenomenal job of being that reliable target for drew Aller. That's not a check down. Very rarely is Tyler Warren, the check down a lot of the time he's existing six, seven yards down the field. And Aller has a very strong arm to make the throw no matter where he is in the pocket. And Warren's has, I think the best ball skills on the team. So I think Warren's going to be really heavily involved in the intermediate passing game. And again, I really think they're going to try to connect on more than a couple of deep shots in this game. And once the safeties creep back a little bit, that's when Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren can start to feast in that intermediate middle of the field range. So Matt, we'll get into predictions, but when we're doing our recap podcast, we will be saying Penn State won this game if...
1: If they forced turnover, I guess, go back to the recipe that was really successful for the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean you, you don't take shots down the field. You don't try and hit the big plays, but you turn the ball over, give your offense short fields. Um, I think one of the under, um, underrated stories in the last few couple of games has been, um, maybe not underrated, but, um, feels like we just don't talk about it a whole lot. Is Daquan Hardy becoming a weapon in, in the punt return game. I mean, I had the one called back last week, obviously the two against UMass. Um, I think, you know, special teams give your offense an easier day. You know, you don't want long fields. You don't want them backed up um, where both I think mentally and the way they call the game, they they get more cautious, Mm -hmm. put them in positions where you're more comfortable being aggressive. You get the ball in the short field okay, we're going to take a shot because we got the ball at, 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 our, at our own 40 instead of our own 25. Mm-hmm. We can take that shot in first down. We can take that shot on second line. Yeah. Um, but, but take the pressure off of the offense. And that's, that's been their recipe all year. That's, they're going to be their recipe the rest of this year. The strength of this team is undoubtedly on the defense, especially rushing the passer. Penn state wins the game. If they get back to that recipe, you know, force mistakes, give your offense short fields. Um, Make the game easier for your offense um, and, and really ultimately build their confidence.
0: For me, Penn State wins this game if Drew Aller hits 225 passing yards. I think that's kind of the, that feels like a lot considering the performances we've seen over the past couple of years. But I think that means that Penn State is running the offense the way they want to run it. I think it means that the passing lanes are open, but they're not trailing to where they have to air it out nonstop. I think that's the sweet spot. So then, Matt, Penn State loses this game if?
1: If they don't force those turnovers. If what we saw last week is, you know, a chink in the armor, if you will, of, you know, Indiana, for lack of a better term, cracking the code on, on you know, scheming open big plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and And the offense kind of stays stuck in this neutral – you know not really doing not really knowing what they want to do um you know the passing game is inconsistent leads to the running game getting bottled up because there's just not space um and and you know i don't want to say making mistakes cuz we this offense really hasn't made mistakes it just hasn't been very effective it just hasn't
0: gotten a second gear um, yet yeah
1: um so i i think it's a continuation of what you saw against indiana for 3 quarters mm-hmm. um is, you know, a defense that wasn't on top of the game. And that's going to hold true for the rest of the season. For Penn State to be successful, the defense needs to be, you know, the elite defense. This offense, you know, as much as we're going to talk about it for the next month and into the bowl season and and beyond, the offense, you know, isn't going to turn from what we've seen through eight games to, you know, the 2016-2017 Penn State offense. They're just, they're not. It's not in there you know you, you you are what you are at this point to some degree yep. and and yes you can take steps you can show improvement but this Penn State offense is what it is at this point you know you want to see D'reller take steps you want to see you know the running backs find their legs again you want to see that wide receiver emerge but you're not going to go from you're not going to pull the 180 from what they've been um but they need to be better they need to rediscover that consistency that they've shown um at times mm-hmm which is kind of an oxymoron, inconsistent, inconsistent <laughs> consistency, but they've, they've had these stretches where for three or four drives, things kind of click, yep. you know, Aller's on point, you know, it opens up the running game. They, you know, they, they're converting third downs
0: that, there. That's the big you know, one. Staying I, ahead that, of the chains. that was a buzzword converting third downs.
1: It's, it's just all those things that they did very well, even if it was frustrating at times, because they weren't hitting those chunk plays, but it was successful. You know, mm-hmm. they beat, you know, at the time, a decent Iowa team, especially, at least defensively, um, they, you know, scored 31 points that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wore them down. They ground them down. Their defense, you know, held them, you know, that's an extreme example, but the defense was absolutely dominant and, you know, forcing turnovers, getting them the ball back in, in advantageous positions. That's the recipe for this team. And that recipe should be good enough to beat Maryland. We'll talk about what that means against Michigan in a week, yeah. but... Um, that's really what it is for me is, is get back to what worked for you, um, and use that to help evolve this offense as much as you can in the season. The, the big steps, you know, that we all you know talked about, we'll talk about them a lot during the off season. That's when this, those big leaps are going to happen for me. Um, you're, you're not going to all of a sudden see Drew Aller go from what we've seen to what we saw Trace McSorley doing six, seven years ago. That just doesn't happen in, in season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to take those steps. You're prepping for the next week. You're rehabbing injuries. Um, you're got classes. You know, just you don't have the time, the energy, or or the the ability to take you know those those massive steps developmentally, especially for a young quarterback like Aller.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, so don't force it any more than you need to, and and get back to what what's worked.
0: For me, mine is if Maryland hits five explosive plays. That's the big thing here. Again, teams very rarely can get these long sustained drives against Penn State, but the key to beating Penn State is to have your skill players make more plays than Penn State's defensive backs. It happened against Indiana. I don't feel like it's going to happen two weeks in a row, but Maryland has dangerous weapons and as dangerous as I think anybody on this schedule not named Ohio State. So that's going to be the big thing for me. It's going to be Penn State bouncing back, keeping guys in front of them, being assignment sound, and if they do that, I think Penn State gets out with a win. So Matt, I've gone back and forth on how I want to view this game. Part of me can see a Penn State that fully starts to click after that Lambert Smith touchdown. And I would love to predict another massive blowout against Maryland. I'm, I just don't see it happening. I will say it's nice that Penn State can kind of sleepwalk a lot of the time and still put up 30 points, it feels like. I think they can do that against this Maryland defense, so I have penn state thirty one Maryland sixteen and I think it feels very close for a long time, and that thirty one makes it look a little bit better than it actually was. Where do you fall
1: I think this end I think this ends up looking a lot like the twenty twenty one game in a lot yeah. of ways um where it was kind of it Maryland hung around, but it never felt like Penn State was really in a lot of trouble um Maryland's got too many good offensive weapons to Predict that we're going to see what we saw last year in Happy Valley. You know the the shutout. I but I do think that they force a couple of interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, they they limit those big plays. That they're they're talented enough up front to I think neutral and and certainly talented enough in the secondary. But I think it's that that pressure up front that really um, is the difference in, in getting it to Tagovailoa and forcing mistakes. Um, Maryland's going to hit plays. They, they've got enough good players do. to do that. Yeah. You're not going to get to the quarterback all the time. Um, but I don't think to your point, they, they, they hit enough. And I think those turnovers, maybe a big special teams play um, are kind of the difference in the game. So I, I would say something like, Penn, you know, 34, 20, 34, you know, 24, something like that. Um, again, where, where maybe the, the score is tight for a time and Penn state, you know, gets a late score to make it look better. Um, but I, I don't feel like you're gonna. It's gonna feel like Penn State's threatened, kind of like the Indiana game last week, where um, yeah, the Indiana hit the big plays, but that was really all they did. I could not do that um, again. For,
0: I, I thought Penn State was very threatened last week. In the slack, I was having a little bit of a meltdown.
1: And, and that's not to say that you know, after the Aller interception, that it felt like oh, oh. Believe me, I think we all had the same thoughts. You know, oh my God, they're somehow going to lose this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. I don't know. It it just always felt like Penn state was going to make a play. I and know, there was, was that day. stretch. Yeah. And when they pulled up, when they went up by 10 where it's like, okay, you know, they're they're not going to win this by 30 or whatever the spread was, but this, this, it felt comfortable for a while until, you know, the couple of mistakes again. Yep. And I, I think that's kind of how this plays out. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's, you know, you know, 21, 17 going into the, the fourth quarter, you know, Penn state has the lead. Maybe Maryland has the ball and is driving. Mm-hmm. Um, we just we haven't seen for the last two years in in real football, not the 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 weird twenty twenty COVID season. Um, we haven't seen Maryland find that key to success like they had against that Penn State defense that year. Yep. Um, they Penn State kind of has the formula it's felt like to slow down their explosive passing offense. is what the, that's how they want to win games, mm-hmm. and I have a hard time saying. That this version of the Maryland offense, which they've got some playmakers, but it's the, it's not as not their best version no, by any means. They they lost some talent outside, and this version of the Penn State defense, which is easily the best they've faced in the last couple of years, um, that's the combination. That's the matchup that that somehow Penn State gets caught with. Um, it's just it's hard to to see that with. What Maryland wants to do, what they do well, what Penn State wants to do, and what Penn State does well defensively.
0: So we're aligned here. You and I both have Penn State winning. I think we both have Penn State covering the eight and a half point spread, which would be a a nice little bounce back for the Nittany Lions, again, as they try to get to eight and one on the 2023 college football season. Matt, any final thoughts before we send the folks off into Maryland weekend? Do you want to – we won't really talk about the 2024 Big Ten schedule. It's so dumb that they do that during the season. Like, we are we want stuff to talk about in, like, March and April. <laughs> like, I have games I'm focused on. I don't have time to think about the trip to Southern California next year. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but, Matt, any, any other thoughts to send the folks off with?
1: I haven't had a chance to talk about, about the Michigan – Situation oh because you
0: are of course I, <laughs> a, Mich- a michigan man
1: I, I'm a Michigan resident there's a very <laughs> distinct difference here. Um, I did spend last Sunday in ann Arbor with my wife, my daughter, and some friends that were visiting um we had We saw no signs of of you know well they were stolen uh, spy sunglasses or uh phones being out to record um, I think I was wearing a Penn state um, sweatshirt or something no no one was trying to to figure out what we were up to but um to to call it a sign stealing scandal feels kind of like understating it a bit you know um this has just been one of the funniest things um and and college football is a funny thing to follow you every year we get just some absolutely bizarre stories this has to be just the the most ridiculous in recent memory at least and the fact it's happened to michigan is just so
0: it's so good it's so I've asked the
1: question to um, some Michigan uh, family members, Michigan fan family members, and some colleagues and, and friends and whatnot. What would what would your reaction be if if Ohio State if the this exact scenario was playing out in Columbus or in East Lansing? Oh my God! Or, they were thr- they would threaten
0: to go independent.
1: Well, they're already doing. The, they're threatening to do that now, yeah, which is true. again absolutely hilarious but the just the i and i have no idea how this is going to play out i'm not getting my hopes up for like a championship game ban or like any significant penalties that really have an impact on on the season but just the the fact that this story is happening to a school that is
0: in the middle of like has, the best run in, in like 30 years oh, of their program
1: and, and the timing seems to really match up nicely for when that run started but just the, this
0: is where we remind folks that Penn State beat Jim Harbaugh three out of four years before the sign-stealing scandal started. Anyway.
1: The, there's the, the, the hubris of the Michigan fan base and, to, you know, much like Penn State fans, I will say, for a long period of time, you know, we do things the right way. You know, we're above this. Harbaugh had a tweet um, several years ago um, basically implying that they don't need to cheat. It was something to that effect because it some, somehow he got roped into a, 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 a debate or whatever. with Maybe it was Kirby Smart or an SC, another SEC coach. <laughs> the fact that, that this is happening to this group is just – it, it makes the story so much better. Like I said, I, I'm not expecting any ma- major ramifications, certainly not to impact this year. I don't – I think that, that feels like wishful thinking. Maybe hopefully I'll be proven wrong
0: um i mean there, but like i said more- i haven't
1: had a chance to talk about it and I, I just had to get that thought out to to the masses of just how ridiculous is this in general and how utterly perfect is it that it's happening to this group that has always played the the you know we were above this we are, were we are above the the idiocy of college football no you're really not you're kind of right back down there with the rest of us and, and the and the justifications you're getting are just you know right out of the the playbook of Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Everyone does it. You know, Ohio state's out to get all this stuff that, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot and this, and you know, Ohio state fans were making the same excuses would just be getting roasted by Michigan fans.
0: So three things, I have three things I want to hit on the first one. I didn't think this was that big a deal. I thought it was pretty funny. I'm like, yeah, it, it always cheat. Like if you can get away with it, figure out a way to get your advantage. Uh, And I saw a clip of Connor Stallions next to, is it Jesse Minter? Was that his name? Minter? Minter? The D.C. there? Yes. And it's the Ohio State game, and they're signaling in, and Stallions straight up says, run right. Like, knowing that the play is going to be a run to the right, and then lo and behold, it's a run to the right, and Michigan safeties roll up and get the stop. Like this actually may have been a well, bigger and, deal than I thought it was, um, which objectively and, makes and, and, it and the
1: timing of, of that specific play, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was it wasn't it was you know, second and nine. They signaled it and they knew it was going, but they didn't they didn't telegraph yeah. it. They knew it was coming as soon as the ball snapped. The safety was just flying downfield or okay. flying towards the line.
0: So that was one. Um, oh my god, well, I can't remember two and three. I knew I should have wrote, written them down. Oh my god, it was incredibly dumb points oh all right number two penn state huddled against ohio state i can't name the last time they huddled it would be such a good fu and such a good joke if they huddle the entire michigan game like a team that famously does not huddle under james franklin or mike yurcich <laughs> if they huddled the whole game like that would be like such stupid trolling that no one would really care about but i would think that would be hilarious if they did that um and number three god i hope penn state michigan beats michigan so we can all call this weird run they've been on, a big flute. Because the second they play a big boy again, they go back to losing. So those are my three points. It'd be even
1: funny if they lost to Purdue this weekend.
0: Or they lose after all. They you know, at, this is basically yeah, their. Like, if they lose at Maryland, ugh, oh, a man can dream. <laughs> a man can dream.
1: It's it, it is certainly wishful thinking. They're, they're certainly a talented team, but um, as Bill has pointed out um, to us, you know, off the podcast that. Regardless of how this ultimately plays out and what penalties do or don't get handed down over time, for the rest of eternity, we can you know, hey, you cheated. But <laughs> what, what, what's your argument? That, that's the thing. They they haven't even denied that this has happened. Yeah, like you can't deny. It. There's video evidence. Yeah. You've got 13 other Big Ten schools that have provided well, they're evidence. You not denying got...
0: it. The, the line is that oh, Harbaugh didn't know. It's not even denying it. Like yeah, we cheated, but you know the the okay. Yeah. But Harbaugh didn't.
1: Know. Even if he didn't, and even taking the, the he should know, it's his program. He gets paid a lot of money to know what's going on in his program. Even taking that all out of it. Okay, he didn't know. Your defensive coordinator sure as heck did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jay Harbaugh seems to be really actively involved in this. You know, he sure did. Okay, Harbaugh didn't cheat. Everyone else did. Yeah. The guys calling your plays yeah. did.
0: It's, it's insane. Uh, and I can't wait to make a lot of jokes about it next week. But we cannot look ahead, Matt. We have to focus on going 1-0 and this week first, and that starts with Penn State beating Maryland in a 3.30 Eastern kick on Fox. Again, both Matt and I, both members of the Matt cast, picking Penn State to win and to cover what is now an 8.5 point spread. Uh, and we'll just do the outro right here and now. So thank you so much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, jump in the comments. If you're a Maryland fan and you're watching, looking for things to get mad about, uh, let us know where you think we're wrong, um, and we'd be happy to discuss. It's always a fun time down in the YouTube comments. Uh, thank you, as always, to our, our partners at HomeFieldApparel.com. Again, it's 15% off your first order with promo code RLR23. Be sure to follow us over there on Twitter at RLRBlog. And for my co-host, Matt Debeare, I'm Matt Flippovitz. Take care, everyone, and go State.